This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here for another episode of the Prospect Podcast. And I'm not going to begin this episode by telling you how far away we are from the 2021 NFL Draft. If you're listening to this podcast, you're fully aware of how close the draft is. Instead, I'm going to jump right into my defensive line and interior offensive line top five rankings. Two episodes ago, I touched on cornerbacks and safeties, did the secondary. And the last episode, Tuesday, edge rusher and linebacker. So check those out. My last two episodes, top five corners and safeties, and then top five linebackers and edge rushers. When I say defensive line, I mean defensive tackles, essentially, and interior offensive line guard centers. A lot of those players are interchangeable. They can play center, they can play guard, and a lot of teams ask them to do that. I'm not enamored with either one of these groups. I only have one grade inside my first round for defensive line and interior offensive line. A fair amount in round two and round three. But in terms of a prospect, my grading system would say pick him in the first round, one player. And I will note who they are. I'm going to do the same template that I've been doing for the cornerbacks and the safeties and my other episode on the edge rushers and linebackers. I'm going to start with, let's see, let's do defensive line first. Number five, Osa Adigazoa from UCLA. Here is, actually, I think I said that a little bit wrong. It's Osa Odigazua. I had that down when his brother, Oa Odigazua, was in the 2015 draft class. That with a lot of injuries was a fun prospect, but just never really materialized for the Giants. Osa Odigazua from UCLA. Here's my scouting report on him. Flexible, burst-based, versatile defender. Best inside. He literally played all the defensive line positions in college, and in three-man fronts, he was almost always aligned on the edge. Serious bend and dip for a 280-pounder. He's super long, too, and he plays low, so there is plenty of power to his game, despite being on the smaller side on the interior of the defensive line. Good, not great effectiveness in his handwork, but his hands are active, and he works half a man awesomely because of his get-off and agility. There's good play recognition skills, and he has the speed and block shedding skills to get to runs to the outside. Actually holds his own as a space eater when needed to. Best, though, as a penetrator. He's a modern-day defensive tackle. Watching Osa Odigazua was a lot of fun. I think his low center of gravity power that I touched on in that scouting report is probably what he'll be able to lean on right away. I think he's... Quick, I don't know if he's quick enough to be a legitimate gap shooter against centers and guards in the NFL, but just the whole skill set, the low center of gravity power. We always hear that edge rushers convert speed to power. I think as a defensive tackle, you need to convert quickness to power, just your get off, how much 
force are you generating with that first step or two steps into a blocker? And Odigazua does a great job generating a lot of force. He's pretty agile from side to side so he can slip through a gap. And he uses his hands pretty well. So I, I think he's a good prospect. Uh, I have him graded at number 72 overall. So early third round for him, I would be completely fine. If, if he goes in the late second or even like mid-ish portions of the second, I would be fine with that, I guess. I'm not super, like I'm not a super stickler on like you need to, to get a good grade for me on draft night. You need to pick someone ex- almost exactly where I have him ranked. But I really like his game. I, I don't, I mean, I think at some in some points he can play on the edge. But he's like 280 pounds. I don't think you really want him there. And you're not drafting him to be a five technique because he's not super like crazy tall and crazy long. But I think he's a good prospect, and I think he fits very well in the modern day NFL. Number four, Davion Nixon from Iowa. Scouting report. You can tell he's been well coached because he understands how to beat blockers with his hands. Explosiveness is the first thing you notice on film. And it's good enough to win on that alone on occasion in the NFL. Side-to-side rusher who can get skinny through a gap, but won't get many victories through a blocker. He needs to get more powerful. Size and length will likely give him problems against longer maulers inside at the NFL level. He hustles and fights through blocks against the run, but will be picked for his pass rushing prowess. He's a fun prospect. He's the closest thing to being that legitimate penetrator that has some pop that was super productive in college. Normally we see like in that 2019 class with that Oliver with Quentin Williams, um, Jeffrey Simmons, we, there was like marquee talents at that spot. I don't, there's not a lot of those in this class, not very many top tier prospects. Davion Nixon is, is the closest to being that type that is very in vogue in today's NFL. And I have him graded number 57 overall. I like his power. I like that he was productive. His handwork is very good. Decent side-to-side mobility. That's important. Middle of the second round, if a team needs some pass rushing prowess, inside on their defensive line, pick Davion Nixon from Iowa, the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year in 2020. My number three defensive lineman or defensive tackle, Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech. Here's my scouting report. Super twitchy, agile-based defensive tackle with high-level athleticism and short area quicks. He even played, played on the edge at times. He can slide between gaps and will win with his first step alone at the NFL level. Adds in a nice combination of handwork and speed-to-power conversion. Not a pass rush plan magician, but good enough entering the league. Lack of length and size hurts him in the run game, susceptible to doubles, and is on the ground more than you would like to see. It kind of seems a little more negative than how I really feel about him, but I will say, I sent out a tweet on this uh, yesterday. Watching him against BYU, the best offensive line and like the best scheme that he faced, kind of scared me. Like Lesser competition than he faced, he tore it up. He was super quick, swim move, swipe move, in the backfield a ton. And then he faces more of a legitimate offensive line. Brady Christensen is going to be picked somewhere on day two most likely. 
not that he was facing the left tackle often, but the whole BYU offensive line was pretty good. And it was like an outside zone scheme, a lot of play action. Milton Williams was kind of invisible in that game. He didn't do much. But the athleticism is crazy. 38-inch vertical, uh, tested through the roof. I I think he's going to go somewhere in the second round. And that's exactly where I have him graded. 52 overall. A few spots ahead of Davion Nixon. He just gives you more athleticism than Davion Nixon, who actually is a pretty good athlete himself, too. So Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech. Expect to hear his name. Could be even early. On the second in the second round of the draft. Number two, defensive lineman, Christian Barmore from Alabama. Here's my scouting report on the Crimson Tide star. Tall, well-rounded defensive lineman who can play anywhere but is best at three technique or five technique. Good blend of burst and pop through contact, and he works half the blocker well, particularly with his rapid swim move into the backfield. He flashed a nice, stunning long arm bull rush as a pass rusher. And he has just enough athleticism to threaten simply with his first step. Two gaps decently well, block shedding is solid. But he's not a tremendous run defender because of his inability to drop his anchor against combination blocks. And he's oddly shaped to play inside. He can play a little high, making him an easier target to move and uproot in the run game. That happened to him as a pass rusher at times too, leading to some inconsistencies as a rusher and him not being able to tap into his full potential. Barmore got a lot of buzz as a part-time player in 2019 and started off a little bit slow in 2020. Down the stretch, he played like a first-round pick. But it's not just what you do at the end of your college football career or in the college football playoff. He was amazing against Notre Dame and Ohio State. But I'm a little worried about his inconsistencies. He is six, almost 6'5", six, 3'10". Pass rushing moves are there. He plays. He's athletic for 6'5", 3'10", 3'15". But he's not like Aaron Donald quick. Like He's not going to win with sheer quickness in the NFL. But the hand use is good, and there's a lot of pop to his game. Like When you're 6'5", 3'10", you typically at defensive line have some pretty – big arms that are pretty powerful and Barmore knows how to use them. A lot of the Alabama defensive linemen do. It's interesting though, because he's not that much similar to most of the Alabama defensive linemen in that a lot of them are fantastic run defenders and they usually are not as refined as pass rushers. Cause Nick Saban is preaches uh, or at least he used to stopping the run and like they're two gapping a lot. It's an NFL scheme. Barmore is like an upfield five technique, which is not usually what you see at that size and playing out on the offensive tackle instead of inside on the outside shoulder of the guard. So the inconsistencies, the high rushes at times, and that he's a little bit of a liability against the run are the reasons why Christian Barmore is my number two, not my number one, where that's typically where he is. If you look around the internet, watch anything on TV about the draft, Christian Barmore will is the consensus top defensive tackle. And if a defensive tackle does go in the first round, it'll be Christian Barmore. I have him graded at number 33 overall. So if like a team like, I don't know, the Baltimore Ravens or Cleveland Browns, they lost Larry Ogunjobi, pick him late in round one, 26, 27, 28. I'll be fine with that. He's just outside my first round, Christian Barmore from Alabama. Number one, interior defensive lineman. Levi Anwazirke from Washington. A 2020 opt-out, but I think he's a really fun player. Here's my scouting report. 
Long, athletic, and deceptively powerful defensive lineman with versatility because he played mostly on the football at Washington, but has three technique or five technique size. First step quickness is outstanding, and it converts to serious point of attack pop on contact. Does a great job against double teams because of his strength and balance. Also great at getting skinny through a gap. He knows how to utilize his long arms, but doesn't have definitive pass rush plans very often, although his bull rush is his base rush, and he can counter off of it. The agility is there, and so is sustained speed to the quarterback. In a role further away from the ball down the line, he can be an effective defensive lineman. In 2018, he was kind of similar to Christian Barmer, a part-time player that was very effective, wasn't as efficient getting after the passer in 2019 when he played more of a full-time role. I just loved his versatility. Like seeing him play nose tackle, and that's what I meant when I said on when I wrote on the ball. He was playing zero technique at like 280 something pounds. And yes, it was in the Pac-12, but really stout at the point of attack and actually created some push against smaller, shorter centers that weren't crazy long. But then he also played a little three technique. I think he has the Again, which I said in my scouting report, the, the quickness to power conversion that you like, and then an occasional pass rushing move. He does need to get a bit better in that area, but I really like Levi Wazurka. He's my favorite and number one defensive lineman in the 2021 draft class. And I have him graded Levi Wazurka at number 26 overall. He would make a lot of sense for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, going to the other side of the ball, staying in the trenches. Interior offensive lineman. Let's start at number five. Kendrick Green from Illinois. Here's my scouting report on him. Former defensive tackle, and it shows on film. Nasty mauler with effortless power in the run game and when anchoring in pass protection. Sustained speed is slightly lacking. Guard center versatility, and he's an impressive athlete. Burst off the snap and short area quickness are pretty impressive. Not wide, but very well built. Awareness is what you want from an interior blocker. At times, he looks a little out of sorts when dealing with a legitimate pass rush move, and he's on the ground a little more frequently than desired. Green's grip strength is top-notch. He's an immediate starter who, with more strength, can be a stud in the trenches. And rereading that, with when I'm saying more strength, I mean a little more weight on his frame. I think it would help him anchor a little bit better, but play him at center, play him at guard where he mostly played for the fighting Illini. Like I said, I think he's an instant starter and it's to find an instant starter at guard or at center. And like round two or round three, that is huge for your team. And Kendrick green tested through the roof at his pro day. I think that's my go-to phrase for a really good workout, even though these workouts are outside. Kendrick green is a good athlete, good fundamentals on film a lot of power and to see a blocker that's close to being NFL strong, I think is really important in the modern day NFL. You like the the athleticism from him and any blocker, but if they can't deal with power, they're going to struggle in year one. I think Kendrick green is pretty close to being NFL strong. So again, I, I should probably tweak that because I remember thinking it really wasn't his strength. He just needs to add a little bit more weight because he's not this wide bodied player. However, um, because he's not crazy wide, I think he could play center in the NFL. He might be the best pure center in this class. Number four, Landon Dickerson from Alabama. Here's this guy. Oh, and by the way, 
before I get to him. I have Kendrick Green at 101 overall. So that's a little, and these are not completely finalized. Have to put in a little bit more film work for some bottom tier guys, but I could watch someone that is presumed to be a bottom tier guy that I like could push him up a little bit. And I have to get all of the pro day stuff on you, but he's 101 overall. So that would be like fourth round Kendrick Green. He's probably going to go a little bit earlier than that, but I think he's a good player. Number four, Landon Dickerson from Alabama. Rare, tall center who actually doesn't get out leveraged often at all. Relatively effortless athlete for his height at the center spot. Effective on down blocks and reaches. Fast but under control getting to the second level and on screens. Quality anchor and good power and pass pro but will need to get stronger at the next level. Outstanding balance. Even when initially beaten with a quick move, he will get back into position in a hurry. The push-pull moves don't completely knock him out of the play rare to see him on the ground and he's very aware of when he needs to help or when a blitz or stunt is arriving. Dickerson's hand placement and timing is very good. Pro ready center, but did tear his ACL late in the season. Don't usually put in something about an injury in, in these gunning reports because I don't even dive into that. Uh, a lot of players or almost every player can rebound from an injury and I'm not going to like knock someone based on what I don't even know about how their medicals are. But I had to put that in there, especially with Dickerson, because it happened so late in the season. So you might not be getting him early on in his rookie year. The, his height being 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six at the center spot is a little worrisome for me. But he played all over the line in college. He started at Florida State, transferred to Alabama. He literally, at one point in his career in college for those two power programs, played every position up front. Left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. So he has that versatility. I think the team that picks him will probably try him and should try him at center. That's where he excelled in 2020 at Alabama and 2019. But you could try him at guard too because he has the size, and I think with a little more sand in his pants, playing guard would be completely fine for Landon Dickerson. I have Landon Dickerson at 81 overall. It's a little bit lower than a lot of people have him. Like I said, I'm not as high on this interior offensive line or interior defensive line class. I've seen like late first round buzz, early round two buzz. I didn't see that type of player, that type of movement. And again, like he's a good mover for like 6'6", 315, but like he kind of plays a little high and he's not like Jason Kelsey when he's on the run. And I think some squattier interior defensive linemen in the NFL are going to be able to get up and under him and drive him back into the quarterback early in his career. But 81 overall, third round-ish, mid-third round, I'd be fine with that for Landon Dickerson. And also, remember, I do have position addition. I don't have interior offensive line that high in terms of the position addition that that position gets. But anyway, number three overall, Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. Here's a scouting report. Good blend of athleticism and power, but not a rare specimen in either area. He gets a little lungy at times as a pass protector and at the second level, but it isn't a huge or reoccurring issue. When he does hit his target, when getting a little overzealous, he does a great job immediately straightening his back and anchoring. However, a few too many times, he's easily driven back into the quarterback by a bull rush. He needs to add weight and strength in the NFL. As you can tell, it's a, that's a theme. 
Solid pop in his hands and will finish in the run game. It's rare to see Davis on the ground. A very good balance. He understands when twists and blitzes are coming, but can't always get there. Solid, high-floor prospect with a lower-ish ceiling. More power and a dialing down of the freneticness at times, and he could be a Pro Bowl-type player. So yeah, there was a lot of negatives in that scouting report. Um, a lot of boring film from Wyatt Davis, though, too. And a lot of that comes with his balance and his pop on contact. And balance, I think, for an offensive lineman is key because you're going to deal with guys that are great with leverage and winning the angle battle in the NFL, whether you're playing tackle or guard or center. You've got to be able to stay on your feet. His teammate, Jonah Jackson, who went to the Lions in the fifth round last year, third round, fourth round, fifth round, somewhere on either late day two or early day three, had a good rookie season. Super balanced. I don't know what Ohio State, like how they're teaching their offensive linemen. They usually send a lot of good blockers to the pros. Wyatt Davis isn't quite as balanced as Jonah Jackson. He's more talented and stronger than Jonah Jackson was, who I really liked in last year's draft class. And I have Wyatt Davis at number 60 overall. So end of round two, pick Wyatt Davis, plug him in at right guard or left guard, doesn't matter. And he can be a good starter right away. Number two overall, not number two overall, number two overall in my offensive line, interior offensive line rankings, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. This is a long one. Tall center who does a good job not getting out leveraged. Above average and at times high level torque to turn and move defenders in the trenches. He's smooth and explosive off the snap and very capable on reach blocks and occasionally quick enough to completely turn his body to wall off the defender trying to attack the front side of a stretch run. Not tested as much as the traditional center as a pass blocker because of Oklahoma's spread offense, but he plays with great balance and constantly resets his hands if knocked away. He plays with super strong grip strength. Humphrey stays locked on and glides with defensive linemen. He shows some susceptibility to quick counters right off the snap and when he's slightly over-anxious to create initial contact, but it's not a major worry. You can tell he's a three-year full-time starter because he's rarely out of position. Not ridiculous at the second level, but typically executes his assignment, finds linebackers. He's aware of blitzes and stunts and has the athleticism and pop to get there and make an impact. I thought he could be a little more aware, though, based on his experience. He has added power over the years, so his anchor is good, but must still add an anchor once he gets to the NFL. There's room for improvement. And does he have guard versatility? Question mark. Sorry, there was a little typo at the end there. I just said, but I wrote, but still must has room for improvement. So what I was trying to get at was that there is room for improvement in terms of his anchor. And I do believe, to answer my own question into the microphone, Humphrey does have guard versatility. They gave him guard reps at the Senior Bowl. He's just a fun player. I mean, I'm a little cautious about these Oklahoma blockers, and that's not a scouting the helmet take. It's that the scheme there is so wide open, and there's a lot of defensive linemen that are worried about the quarterback running, even Spencer Rattler, who isn't Kyler Murray, but he's definitely athletic that they're not really rushing up field a ton, but we saw at the senior bowl, he held his own and, and actually excelled, but even on film, he's just a very powerful player, good size, nastiness, balance, 
very low knee bend. He plays low. He's not going to get out leveraged too often. Understands that he's going to deal with pass rushing moves, knows how to beat them. I really like Creed Humphrey. I think he's a good player. And I have him graded at number 58 overall. So Wyatt Davis at 60, Creed Humphrey at 58. So not a huge gap between those two. Actually, I have the same grade on those two. I have Walker Little, who I'll get to in, the, I guess, the next episode. Offensive tackle from Stanford between them. They're basically interchangeable. I have the same grade on them. Number one interior offensive lineman. You can probably guess if you're a draft follower. Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. And yes, I think he's best at guard. That is not a knock on him. Why are we so against guards being good? I have no idea. He played tackle in 2020, but I thought was amazing at guard in 2019. Here's my scouting report. Twitchy technician who explodes out of his stance and has incredibly fast, short stride kick slide. He doesn't create a big arc to the quarterback, but will beat quick outside rushers to the pass rushing apex and give them a surprising pop. Ridiculous as a combo blocker. Rapid contact strikes and is always under control. He finds second level defenders with ease. Never lunges in pass protection or as a run blocker. Saw a few occasions, very few, where he was defeated by a nasty push and pull move. But otherwise, Elijah Vera Tucker was a brick wall on passing plays. Not susceptible to inside counters and will get to stunts and delayed blitzes with relative ease. He rocked as a guard in 2019, but made a seamless transition to left tackle in 2020. There are some size and length limitations, but has enough of both to play on the edge in the NFL. Excellent athlete with great handwork and outstanding balance will be best at guard. So I kind of wrote that as if he can play tackle. I think he can. I think you're obviously thinking of someone like Isaiah Wynn, who went in the first round in 2018. And when he's been healthy for the Patriots, has been very good. But I think playing Vera Tucker at guard in a zone-blocking, movement-based scheme is where you'll get the absolute most out of him. He is athletic enough to play tackle, and Matt has said on previous podcasts, like, that was a great indication. Like, you are at guard, and then your coaches move you to left tackle, and then you thrive there. They knew how athletic he was, but... His center of gravity is low. He doesn't. He's very calm, cool, and collected because I think he understands how athletic he is. The handwork is there. The cerebral side of the game is there. He's understanding, all right, I need to block down, and then I need to get to the will linebacker, and I'm not going to be crazy once I get there. I'm going to find him and contact him and drive him down the field. Elijah Vera Tucker is really good. I have him graded at number 37 overall. Early round two, that's probably where he's going to go. If a team falls in love with the versatility and maybe sees him as a tackle, maybe he'll go higher. There's a bigger position addition for me and probably for teams at the offensive tackle spot. So if I graded him as an offensive tackle, let's see, he would be squarely in my first round moving up from... um, Number 37, he would be, this is somewhat rough, but at like 21, 22 overall. So maybe you could take this, you kind of split the difference and say 28, 29 overall. But as a interior offensive lineman, 37 overall for Elijah Vera Tucker. So to run through, and I'll start at defensive line again, if you are for some reason fast forwarding to the end to just hear my rankings. 
Osa Odigazua from UCLA at number five on my defensive line rankings. Number four, Davion Nixon from Iowa. Number three, Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech. Number two, Christian Byermore from Alabama. And number one, Levi Anwazirke from Washington. Only one first-round grade there, Levi Anwazirke. And then on the interior of the offensive line, Kendrick Green from Illinois at five. Number four, Landon Dickerson from Alabama. Number three, Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. Number two, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. And number one, Elijah Vera Tucker. Just to kind of round out, if I feel like a lot of times people are reach out to me on Twitter, or on TikTok, and certainly follow me on TikTok if you're not already. I'm doing a lot of draft stuff there. Um, asking me like when they're listening to these top fives or watching videos I'm doing of these top five position rankings, like, hey, where is like for the cornerback ranks, like where's JC Horn? Where's uh, you know, other players that are more that are more consensus inside the top five. I'll just run through like a few others. Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater is my number six interior offensive lineman. I really like him as a player. Needs to get a little stronger, and he's not super polished in pass protection, but he's athletic and he's a monster. Deontay Brown from Alabama, talk about a monster. And then Tardarius Hutcherson. I don't. I, I'm just kind of running through this because I, I don't love Ben Cleveland. I don't think he plays as impressively in terms of athleticism as he worked out at the Georgia pro day. And he looks ridiculous. He looks like the mountain from game of Thrones. I just wrote about that today at CBS sports, but I just didn't see, I thought he was kind of stiff, tall and stiff at guard. is not really what I typically prefer. Trey Smith right behind him in Tennessee. I, have to, I don't think I put in, I didn't factor in his pro day yet. So that could slightly change, but that's where I have interior offensive linemen that you're probably wondering about. And then interior defensive linemen. After Odigazua at number six, Ali McNeil from NC State, this very athletic nose tackle. Bobby Brown from Texas AM, another one, big 6'4, 325, but plays like he's 6'1, 290. Jalen Twyman from Pittsburgh, Jonathan Marshall from Arkansas, and J2 Fele from USC. A lot, a lot of hustle. I like his hustle, like that swim move, plays a little high, not a lot of power, and gets completely washed out in the run game. I got to get to two more, too. Tyler Shelvin from LSU, number 11, gigantic, behemoth. And he did weigh in, I believe, at 350 at the LSU Pro Day, which is a good weight for him because there was some speculation that he was up to 370 375 close to 400 pounds it's one point in his career at lsu so 350 is good for him another one crazy athlete engulfs running backs in the run game good prospect middle of you know middle of the draft completely fine with tyler shelvin and then darius stills i have to talk about him because i think he's the most agile like side to side agility defensive lineman in this class interior defensive lineman number 12 so there's the rest of it, kind of rounding it out. A little bit shorter of a podcast, but I wanted to be more concrete. I know you got a lot on your plate. Trying to take in as much NFL draft analysis as you can. And I really appreciate you for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review. Tell me what I'm doing wrong with this podcast and the things I'm doing well. Again, I'm Chris Trapasso, and thank you for listening to the Prospect Podcast.